2: everybody inside the celtics life podcast i'm mark allison here with my man the dr justin quinn and we are dipping into our first off off-season pod really technically it's our second but the, the first one was kind of like the, the the season morning uh the end of season morning i should say so uh today we're going to dive into a lot of things we just had the uh nba draft lottery on tuesday night uh we're gonna what well, we're gonna Get into that a little bit later, and and how things shook out for the Celtics uh, and other teams around the uh, NBA. Aha, uh-huh, Knicks. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but really, what we got to dive into uh, for, first off the rip. Offseason is here. It's time to make some decisions. What is going to happen with the Celtics? There's a lot of different ways this offseason could shake out. I this this offseason is going to be infinitely more. I don't if I say exciting, but interesting.
3: Impactful.
2: Yes, than this season was um, by a landslide. And uh, unless we had won the finals this year, I think that would have been the case. Um, Probably. Because then you could have made the argument that they may have ran it back with the same roster and not made any significant changes, or at least as close as they could if they won the title. Uh, that did not happen, <laughs> or anything near close to that happening. So, uh, Justin. First thoughts: uh, Jumping into the post-off season. Sorry. Uh, What do you? What do you? What do we make of this? Where Where do we go?
3: Well, the first thing I want to say, and I'm going to end up contradicting this, like every other Boston Celtics blogger and beat writer is going to. uh, I am going to spend as little energy as I possibly can, while still doing due diligence, uh, trying to figure out which people we're going to not be picking with all of those draft picks we'll be talking about in a little bit and not spending much time trying to figure out what draft packages maybe a certain team would like depending on uh, their goals now that they have the one thing that could have really screwed up at least one of the paths for the Boston Celtics. Uh, And, you know, just just to summarize all of this, uh, this is going to be the postseason with the most – commonly superficial and frequent analyses of potential paths because there's just so many ways this could break. And it's just, it's impossible to really dive in too deep into anything other than the things that we do know. So I don't know about other outlets, but I think at least for us uh, this summer, we are going to mostly be sticking to the things that we do know and can control because if you thought that the trade deadline was bad, buckle up
2: (laughs) yeah it's open season now i mean the trade deadline uh the options for uh anthony davis and some of the other trade partners were limited but now that uh it's it's the wild west now uh there's a million different ways these these uh, that first of all that davis could get moved and they're not moved and the celtics what they can and can't do um uh, I think for we can get into quickly what, like, I, I, I've i been saying this for, for weeks now, even when the Celtics were still playing, or up until, I should say up until we got to the playoffs. Because once we de- um, demolished the Pacers in round one, I was actually feeling pretty good about the team. But even when we were playing good at the end of the year, uh, I know I said this with you guys a bunch of times, I've definitely said it on the pod before, I just, whatever it is, I don't want to see this same team back next year or anything close to it. Now, I, I I do believe that keeping, regardless, I know everybody's you know pissed at Kyrie for the way that the season ended and the way he played at the end of the year uh, in that final series, but I still think the best case forward is re-signing him and, and moving forward in that regard. Um, but with that said, all I either want to see Irving... Irving, if we keep Irving, deal some of the kids, get Davis, get somebody else and and move forward in that direction full full throttle. Otherwise, if Kyrie leaves and you, you know, change things up, maybe you still can make a trade for Davis. I don't know how that would work. Maybe I'm not really sure that that's the best decision, but if if you're not going to go full in on Kyrie and and another star, then go with the youth movement. We we still have some solid vets. We still have a chance that Gordon Hayward is um returns to form next year things could be much much different but either go with the youth movement or go with the 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 big two big three idea i i just I, I don't want to watch this team again next year
3: i feel exactly the same and to be honest i've always been ambivalent about trading for anthony davis and now i'm even more so even though we are hearing some rumbles and we can talk about those a little bit more in depth briefly that he is more disposed to staying with Boston now. But I mean, it seems like that kind of crap changes like weekly. So I'm putting no stock in that. And for me, you know, like I feel exactly the same. I don't want to see the same team back. And it's just not going to happen. Because no, it's not. It really isn't like the only way that that. Uh, for example, Terry Rozier is going to sign with the Boston Celtics as if it is a sign in trade to another team. Uh, and even that is fairly unlikely because of the whole hard cap situation it will create for the Celtics. Uh, but that said, I could see a path for an Anthony Davis trade depending on new Orleans goals. And that's the big kicker here because none of us know what they are other than, uh, well, I'm just going to say it now because it's relevant. Uh, they reportedly do not want to deal with the Los Angeles Lakers even after getting the fourth pick overall. I wonder why. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we can dive into that a little more for, more completely uh, later on down the road. But the situation that we're looking at uh, with Anthony Davis, for me, in my mind, it just doesn't make sense to to deal away a, a huge amount of core of, of the roster uh, without necessarily – we don't know the order is going to happen in – Uh, Having Kyrie on the roster, uh, I would be very, very, very much uh, not into the idea of, you know, having Kyrie waiting around, signing AD, having Kyrie leave anyway to go someplace else, uh, and then finding ourselves, you know, not having what we need to retain AD and walking around with, I don't know, Marcus Smart. No offense, I love Marcus Smart, I want to keep him, don't get me wrong, but like Marcus Smart in some picks or something.
2: Yeah, and I can tell you one avenue that I do not do not want to go down is I don't want any of this nonsense with Kyrie signing like a one and one uh with the player option after next nope, year or something. You're and right then right and and then hinging on the success of next year and having to do this circus again. If if we trade for Davis and we have to wait on his decision and we've resigned Kyrie or not resigned Kyrie either way, I can live with that. We haven't dealt with his circus. I am not going to I cannot sit. I cannot take another season of listening to the Kyrie circus. Uh, the first year that we had him, we didn't have any problems. I know we've talked about this before. We won. We were winning. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't have these issues. And the team played. The chemistry was fine, right? I, I don't. I don't remember ever thinking, "Oh, geez, this is." And you know, like, granted, the the, the guys were younger then, uh, so you know, when Tatum and Brown were still easing their ways into what their roles would be, which they kind of discovered in the playoffs last year. But for Kyrie, I can't do the circus again. I just can't. I can't. So if he's going to sign long-term and let's move around that, I'm, I'm with it. Let's go. Um, the, the thing is, I and I've said this already, but I know people are soured on him. But look, take a look at the four teams that are left in the finals, right? They all have an elite player, at least one, on their on their roster, right? I mean, each one of those teams we've got, Golden State has how many of them? But let's just let's just say they, they've got Curry and Durant, right? Um, Portland, Dame Lillard. He's a top 10 player in the NBA. I, people are starting to realize that now, but he's there. And then you've got Kawhi and you've got Giannis. These are the be- some of the best players in the league. You're not making it to the NBA finals unless you have one of the best players in the league, right?
3: Almost certainly. The last time it was a thing was the early 2000s Detroit Pistons. And even then, yeah, the, they exact, had yeah. basically five top 50 guys in the starting unit. So right.
2: it's almost the same and, thing. And the NBA has changed a lot since then. Just a little uh, bit. The Just just a little bit. So th- that was back when you could grind it out with one of the best defenses in the league, which they had. Um, that's not – now, granted, the, the, having a good defense is important. it keep things, you close. But really, you but need – You need a guy that can put the ball in the bucket. Uh, And, I mean, think what you want about Kyrie. He's a hell of a lot closer to being one of those guys than just about anybody else we're going to be able to acquire not named Anthony Davis this this offseason. So, like, like, case in point, I I saw this. I saw yesterday uh, people floating that Ricky Rubio uh, is interested in joining the Celtics, right? That is the type of player you're looking at. If we lose It Kyrie. is, and he's a good player, someone don't get me wrong. we're going to. And they don't get me wrong, I have nothing wrong with him, but he can't like. We're the downgrade from going from Irving to him, and I understand he's a ball distributor, and you got a lot of mouths to feed, and maybe that works. Maybe that, maybe the, you know, maybe him distributing to Jalen and Jason and Gordon maybe that is a more efficient way to run. But he also defends Kyrie
3: and Kyrie exactly the offense to offset the the value of his improved, but still bad defense. And, you know, Rubio, like he can pass. He has great passing vision, but I'm not really sure Mm -hmm. that you, you get the same. He's somewhere in that nether region between lower end starter and not quite a backup. Right
2: now. If, if, now, should Kyrie leave, you're gonna be you're gonna need to replace him, right? And Rubio's like not an awful option. Uh, another guy would be nice to to see the Celtics look into. Maybe a Mike Conley. And if you're still making the trade for Davis uh, when Irving is gone, then you're gonna need to acquire one of those guys. And maybe that's enough, right? Maybe having a point guard that's uh, one of the better distributors in the NBA with. At whatever you have left of the young guys, let's just say – let's pretend we still had Jalen and Jason was gone in an Anthony Davis trade. And then Gordon, you'd have a guy let me, let with me some options, you right? you real
3: quick because this is something I was alluding to earlier with Brad Stevens not being happy about how it could potentially go down. Uh, and this has everything to do mm-hmm. with Connolly as well. Now, Conley is a guy who's almost certainly getting moved, particularly uh, if the Grizzlies take a certain player we'll talk about later um, with their pick, who is likely to be a point guard. Um, This would put Boston in a situation where if they do trade for Anthony Davis, one of the best trades I think they could make, and the one that I would be most on board for, and I'm really sorry, Brad, and I'm really sorry, Gordon, would be Gordon Hayward plus one of the Jays most likely and the Memphis pick and probably one or two other picks as well. Uh, I think that if the team values, uh, having a high upside, uh, potential all-star player, uh, that would actually make a lot of sense, uh, playing, you know, Gordon can play the two and the three, uh, Zion, uh, who's almost certainly going to the New Orleans Pelicans who won the draft again, more on that later, uh, It it makes a lot of sense for filling out a starting, starting lineup, even if he uh, never really truly returned to much better than we saw. I mean, they're going to be rebuilding for a while. It's not necessarily something that they're going, they're not going to try to compete unless they can somehow convince uh, Anthony Davis to stay with them. So that's not, you know, like, it's not a very, like the salary issue it's in and of itself is not that big of a deal for them. If that's what they value, if they want to take that risk. Now that may, uh, very well. And probably, pretty likely, isn't going to be the best deal uh, from their point of view. It might be much more. Um, it might be much more important to them to be able to add a guy uh, or add assets that you know they want to 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 create a situation that is uh, I don't know less less organized to competing now. Uh, and this is where a situation where. Boston could be pivoting in an entirely different direction if they can't get AD uh, and say some other team ends up convincing them that they they, they are the better trade partner. Uh, and then we might see, as we discussed before, Kyrie Irving leaving. And in that scenario, we need a good point guard. And Mike Conley would be a pretty good target, but there's no way we would be able to bring him on board with the fairly large salary i think he's earning like 30 31 million dollars next year uh, if I'm, my memory serves gordon hayward would be the perfect trade ship in that situation
2: yeah i, I don't disagree with you so we had a lot of chatter the last couple days uh now that the offseason is here and and uh so we're starting to hear inside of some of the things that were going on behind the scenes with the celtics during the season uh, we had both Terry Rogier and owner Wick Rose Peck both, both on uh, the last coming days. We'll get the Wick first because uh, he was on the radio yesterday on with Felber and Maz on 98.5. And he uh, alluded to this was a very difficult team for him to like. Now, that's kind of <laughs> – to, to hear that from the owner of the team. I mean, you know, it's it, it, when you hear that from a fan, you say, ah, you know, I mean, it, it's – he wasn't happy with what he was seeing, but I mean, to own the Hush. team and say that, uh, I mean, Wick, Wick is, you know, he doesn't really pull too many punches. Now, he was vague in a lot of things that he said yesterday. That was one of the most, you know, I mean, he, he admitted that he had was very frustrated watching this team. Um, I, I think he alluded to, it was like buying a nice car <laughs> and it running like shit. And yeah. those weren't his exact Fairface. words, but, but you know what I mean? that like, that's what he said. Yeah, he he said something about the buying a nice car and the car not running well, and that's how frustrating it was <laughs> for the guy that pays the money for these players. Subtext: <laughs> you can, you the can, mechanic ain't doing so good great analogy, either. So, uh... me. <laughs> uh, yes, right. No shit. Um, but I, I, that was funny. But um, but he also, I mean, he he sidestepped a lot of questions they gave him. But they did. He did say that he spoke with Irving, and a, after the season was over, and. You kind of got the feeling that he kind of has an idea of what's going on, what what Kyrie is thinking, whether or not he told him outright. I I doubt that, but um, I think he has an idea of at least which way what what his uh, what his thought process is going to be going into the offseason. I don't know if they talked about changing the team. I don't know what they talked about, but um, he did say that he had spoke sat down and spoke with him and. You know, uh, so he could get a better idea of what we're going into this offseason, at least the way he thinks. But I will say this. He was asked point blank if he wanted Kyrie back. And he sidestepped that by saying he wasn't going to talk about individual players. Now, where I find that interesting is yeah, if this, they think this was 10 years ago, let's say the 08 Celtics had a bad first year, right? They put that team together. Let's say they don't make them win the finals. Let's say they lost in that first round to Atlanta. Um, in seven games, uh, you know, and they asked Wick Grossback after the season, if he wanted KG or Paul Pierce back next year, if they were free agent, I mean, he would have instantly said yes. I right? would
3: think, and you know, that is not necessarily an indictment of the situation with Kyrie because I understand that no. he probably better than anyone, uh, knows the value of retaining a free agent of that stature. But the nature of these communications right. and the the ripple effects are just so much more intense now. So like you just can't say anything without it being taken funny. Yeah.
2: Anything. Yeah. No. I, I mean, I understand that, but I feel like saying that you want a certain player back, which I mean, Ange has kind of said all year long, like, "Yeah, we want Kyrie back." You know, we're we're engaged <laughs> to him, and we're gonna get married in June or whatever. You know. You know. Like, it's, so it's like. I don't know. It, it kind of struck me that he said that. Now, I, I don't. know. It could know. be
3: diplomatic, but no, totally. I, you know, I,
2: I hear it could be just. It could just be him not wanting to talk about any other specific player. Like the next question could have been, "Do you
3: want Terry you know, Rozier or ben? somebody else?"
2: Terry, exactly. Exactly. And speaking of Terry Rozier, so he he took a flamethrower oh, to the team on TV all week. Um, he, he's been doing the media rounds. Uh, he was on with uh, Stephen A. the other day. Um, whatever the hell that show's called, First Take, right? Um. And and he was talking about how he's sacrificed the most. I mean, he's been doing this on Facebook and Inst- I mean uh, Twitter and Instagram too with posts uh, for a while. He sacrificed the most. They, they talked about some different things about whether he would be back. Um, he basically said that not if the team looks like it does now. Um, I, I mean, he did downplay some of the stuff, like Kyrie mm. was the problem, but he did say that the team had to kind of you know where Gordon and and Kyrie were kind of allowed to do whatever they thought and everybody else had to step in line and he thought that was it kind of shot and said Brad really um that you know these guys were treated differently than the rest of the guys on the team and and young guys or not whatever that that makes a lot of sense to me and why both the young guys would be frustrated and why like Kyrie thinks that maybe these guys deserve a little more respect and a little more yeah, so maybe that's really where the Chism, I think
3: right? so, and I think that Terry just drank his own Kool Aid and went swimming in it.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, he's he's certainly, I mean, he, he's uh, he's got a huge, huge head for sure. Compared
3: to his stat output this season, uh, I think he's just going to you know regret this one day. That's that's all I'm going to say. I love Terry Rosier. I enjoyed his time with us, but that time is over. And much Uh, like the season, he could have handled it differently and chose not to, and I wish him the best going forward.
2: The Celtics are going to be without uh, Mika Shrewsbury next year. Uh, He's going back to Purdue. Some people talk about bringing in a, a veteran presence, um, a, a former player, rather. Um, or or do you think we need someone in there to help Brad with things on the coaching side versus uh, bringing a player in that can relate to the guys a little better?
3: Well, there have been two names that have been floating around, and one of them uh, doesn't really seem to be sourced with any you know real concrete, uh, credible sources suggesting that he's definitely... In the mix, but that would be Perk uh, Kendrick Perkins, uh, and then the other guy who is making the circulating uh, like circulating throughout the uh, NBA media sphere is being tied to the Celtics. Uh, as of today, uh, we are recording this on Thursday. Is uh, JB Bickerstaff, the former head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, and I think that this, the idea is very similar in either situation. You need someone uh, who can bulldog when people, you know, don't respond. People like someone who can yell in ways that doesn't seem that Brad Stevens is comfortable. And when I say yell, I don't mean like, fuck you, you stupid idiot. I mean, just like, why are you not doing what you are supposed to do? We had you run this play. You did your own thing. There's no freelancing. That kind of a
2: thing. We need someone to be the bad exactly. cop, right?
3: And you know, sometimes, sometimes you can have that person in the same person, like Doc. Doc can really motivate people to play really, really mm-hmm. well and still manage egos. He just knows how to take people to task in a way that they will respond to, and that is not necessarily, uh, you know, screaming in their faces. Uh, you know, it's more, it's more of of a situation where you need to be able to understand when to push and when to pull. And that is not necessarily the same thing as knowing how to develop a player or to run X's and O's plays. Uh, And in fact, uh, without that skill, uh, you may find your strong points, as Brad's strong points have always been developing players and, you know, strategy. It can really, it can really dampen the ability because when people stop listening, then it doesn't matter how well you develop people or how good your plays are because no one is listening.
2: Mm-hmm. No, yeah, thousand percent. Uh, now uh, another way we could add some—I uh, don't say veteran—veteran veteran leadership. I guess um, we were talking about point guards before. Uh, our boy It is going to be a free agent. Um, I guess. Bringing him back in, I, they could get him on a very team-friendly deal for at least a year. Uh, I, I don't think that will happen if Kyrie is here, no. just based on <laughs> nope. uh, that. You know that that doesn't seem like a great idea. But uh, plus, there's like two guys you just absolutely couldn't play on the floor together. Um, but uh, the uh, if if he does leave, um, and we do bring in another point guard. It, to bring him in as well on a team-friendly deal, um, you know, that's uh, interesting for in a lot of ways. If Obviously, if IT can return to any kind of form, that would be huge. But beyond that, um, bringing him in as a presence of somebody who, you know, we didn't win a championship when he was here, but he knew how to win big games and how to play and how to grind through a season. Um, so, and, 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 you know, he's familiar with a lot of the guys. And I, I, we joked about this all year long that if Kyrie left, we were just going to resign it and just pretend that it never happened, right? But I mean, we don't know that it is going to regain his form. We di- we didn't get to see this year. Obviously, uh, he he got kind of a he got kind of a raw deal in Denver. They were playing too well. They tried to mix him in. Things weren't going the way they wanted it, was it too to, deep. and so they just decided. Yeah, I mean, it was they came back in March, right? So, I mean. This is a team that was playing I mean, the number one seed in the Western Conference, right? So, they, you know, they're. Uh, it's hard to integrate somebody at that point, especially someone that it's not like he was on the team last year. I am familiar with no, the No, and
3: they had they had Monty um, Morris, who was a surprising development, and he's young. And you want to put your 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 effort into a younger guy who is not injured, and that's. St- Versus a
2: guy who's on an expiring exactly. contract too. So it's, it's not, you it know, I, I, IT, they thought IT was going to be a nice shot in the arm later in the year. They didn't need the shot in the arm. I mean, they could have used it last series, but, um, but they, I, I'm still bummed. He didn't get like a shot like that. Uh, Gerald green, like uh, coming in for the Celtics and winning, winning a game here and there on the playoffs, you know, but Hey, what are you going to do on to next year? I, regardless if he comes back to the celtics i hope to see it return to form or at least close to it uh because just a great all-around guy that kind of got shafted with an injury and never really an opportunity to to really get his footing after that but um so back to the guys that are on the team we're on the team, we'll see, who's still here next year. But um, I about do some grades for the uh, the team in general, not just the players. Good. The front office, Justin. What would you – you know thoughts? A lot of people um, think that Ainge should have made a move at the deadline. He should have um, moved Terry. I was on the he side. He should have moved Terry. Yeah, he, he should have moved Terry. I think they should have moved Terry in the offseason, to be honest with you. But um, I, think, I think Terry was insurance for if um, – Kyrie left, and they thought that he'd be able to, to move into that role, I think, by the deadline when they assumed that that wasn't going to happen. They probably entertained the idea, um, especially especially with all the malcontent. I mean, we as outsiders didn't really know who was causing, you know, what where the, all the friction was in the, in the locker room. I, I think most people that you don't have to be a detective to figure out that Rogier was probably one of the guys that was upset. I mean, we know that he was now, but I mean, even during the season. He certainly, you know, he did take a big step back in terms of how much he was playing. So although someone did share something the other day where he was talking about Hayward and and he still touched the ball more than Hayward did in his shorter amount of time on the floor. So there's that too. Uh, He he had more opportunities than he'd let you To to bring
3: it back to to the things that the front office can't necessarily control are things like the the, uh, AD trade request and subsequent media circus, Mm. You know, a lot of that also fed into things, uh, and you know they can't control Brad uh, when he loses control of the team, at least to a certain extent, to to the to the degree that he can't get people to get back on defense after after broken plays. That he has people not executing correctly and devolving to ISO ten seconds into a possession. Um, you know, some of that is on Brad uh, and. That said, like, you know, the front office can, can say whatever they want to him, uh, but if he has lost control of that aspect of the team, then, you know, it's not entirely the front office's uh, fault either. So I'm going to give the front office a, an F for execution and an A for concept uh, because the idea of running two different cores at the same time, one win now, one win later, sounded great. But there's a reason why nobody does it. It doesn't work. You, you have your hands uh, you know, going in two different directions, and eventually it just tears you apart. So for me, it's a solid right down the middle C for the front office.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I can't give them a failing grade because I, did, I, don't think, I don't think that they necessarily had to make any moves. I think Danny played it right thinking that, you know, with Hayward coming back in the middle of the season that, um, you know, or that he regaining his form, I should say, is is what they assumed was going to happen. That would be like adding a player at the deadline. Um, Hayward did play well until the the playoffs rolled around. But, um, you know, the Terry thing, I think they should have resolved that. I think they should have made a move at the deadline if they really thought it was that bad in the locker room, which it seems like it was, so um yeah i'll give him a c i don't think there's that much that age could have done but at the same time maybe deal and terry at the deadline for whatever you can get because you're going to get nothing for him now anyway so we've seen you know brad has come under fire this year more than any other um how how except yeah, of course but so how much of this team you know how much does that fall on brad the the shortcomings
3: well, again a fair amount but once once you're in a situation where, you know, your assistant coaching in your front office isn't getting the message across to the players any more than the coaches, uh, then, you know, you're, you're kind of bound and you just kind of try to do what you can. Uh, I, I appreciate the, you know, even level uh, approach, never too high, never too low kind of perspective. He loves to go to the game. But I, I kind of feel like maybe we need to see Brad, Get right in the face at least once or twice a season. Uh, you know, maybe go back and, and, you know, run the old school short hook uh, when you don't have guys who are on expiring contracts. Uh, you can't really, you know, bench Kyrie if he is the one who is checking out. You can't really bench Terry, uh, at least not until well into the season. I mean, he could have started doing it more often than he did or at least cutting his uh, minutes. But there, there's a certain degree of, you know, even, even a guy like Terry, you kind of have to give them some run because then if you don't, then there's going to be a, a, an awareness among players that when it's your turn to step up and earn your next paycheck, uh, you might not get it. So that that is something that people care about. Uh, whether we were talking stars or whether we were talking someone's first big contract. Uh, And there were a lot of guys on this, on this uh, roster who uh, really took a big step forward last season and really wanted to have the opportunity to earn a big extension, to earn a next big contract. So, you know, because of that, Brad kind of had a largely impossible situation to work with. And, you know, I can critique some of the things that went wrong uh, that he could have done more on, but given all the, the different, uh, balls he was juggling, I, I don't necessarily think that he did that bad. So I'll give him a slightly better job, uh, grade than the front office, just a C plus because a lot of the problems that he was dealt were both unpredictable and really insolvable with the infrastructure he was pr- presented with. So.
2: All right. Now let's roll through the players here quick. Uh, Irving. That's a hard one.
3: I would say a an F for leadership, a C for, for play. Uh, so I'm going to have to give Kyrie a D for the season. Oof,
2: a failing grade. Uh, see, I would disagree with you here only for uh, – Kyrie gets knocked down a few letter grades for – Just for talking all year about the playoffs. That's the thing, exactly. Yeah, and not performing at the time that he said he was going to. That's why he's here. Blah 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 blah. Okay, so boom, right off the rip. That's two down. The leadership was porous, obviously, but I I mean, I don't know that he should be (laughs) responsible. He made himself responsible. I think think he should just lead by his play. I understand that, but I think the team, the team needed to shift that over to Al or somebody else. Uh, But uh regardless i think he was every bit advertised during the regular season um he had a career high in assists which is something that we we thought would be a good thing obviously moving the ball around to guys um you know he tried to keep the other guys involved as much as he could in that regard there were times when he took over games and in the playoffs he shot us out of some games so um i I don't know if i could give him a d i'd say a c minus just be uh, just because he was every bit as advertised yeah, during our season.
3: 49 win I season, I
2: think he played about as well as we could have. <laughs> right. But, but I mean, right. But I think we, we can all admit that the lacking department mostly. came from other areas, mostly. not from Kyrie sure. during the, during the regular. So mostly. Okay. Um, how about Horford? I mean, the Horford, this guy, I don't, I feel like no one can get an A. A minus. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, he was, you know, probably he had his best season with the team. It's one of his best seasons, period. And I don't know. If, I don't know if the stats the the stats may not show that, but in terms of what he did and how he played and carried himself, I mean, I didn't hear a lot of average Al talk this year. We heard that last year. He kind of quelled it when we got to the playoffs, and then this year he kind of carried that same play. He was playing hard every night, so um, I, no one's getting an A, but an A minus for for B- Big Al, um, Gordon Hayward.
3: Well. You know, big mitigating factor here. Uh, I'm going to have to give him a C- just because he would be much lower in many people's estimation. Uh, The psychological component of coming back from a big injury like that is very, very difficult. We saw, you know, Paul George with much more time to heal uh, react very, very similarly. Mm -hmm. And if we were to go from the second surgery uh, onwards and look at look at Hayward compared to Paul George. He's more or less on the same track, so uh, I, I'm leaning towards an incomplete because it's really
2: yeah. I, I, I can dig that because I don't think it's fair to to grade him, especially he struggled really hard in the beginning of the year, and I think that a lot of that was still in recovery you me mode. Into it. Uh, we saw him play well, but. He did play shitty in the playoffs, but after he was playing well at the end of the season, I'll still roll with the incomplete. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. We'll be coming for you next year, Gordon. You better be back. All right, Jay and uh, Jay.
3: Jalen, uh, I have actually uh, flipped. I still believe that Jason still has the higher potential, but Jalen really learned to become a leader from the bench this season. And that is something that almost mm-hmm. never happens uh, at his age, never mind his situation. Um, so Mm -hmm. for me, I think that with the possible exception of Al, there was no better leader on this team this season, uh, than Jalen, uh, you could make an argument for Marcus Smart being in the conversation as well, but he had some inconsistent play in the middle of the season, just like Jalen did at the beginning. Uh, so I'm going to give him a B plus he's not his, his, his lengthy, you know, almost a third of the season slump definitely moved him out of the same range as L but I definitely think he was probably the Celtics second most consistent
2: player all season. Mhm. I can vibe with that. And uh, as for Tatum, uh, he's uh, you know, he kind of hit a sophomore slump this year. He didn't have a bad year by any stretch. Uh, I think we we put maybe too high of expectations on him. So I don't want to say it a bad year. Uh, he's somewhere probably uh, C-plus. C-minus
3: for, for me, but only only because a lot of the things he was doing were, were imminently preventable and mostly just not. Right,
2: poor shot selection. And yeah, yeah. No, I, the Kobe Bryant, please stay away from Kobe Bryant this offseason. You know, I, I just, we don't want to see any more turnaround fadeaways when there's, you know, 12 seconds left on the shot clock. Um, Marcus Morris, Here's a guy, he kind of, kind of had a, uh, uneven season. Uh, he played really well at the beginning of the season and then he kind of had a stretch where he wasn't playing so well. And then at the end of the year, it was kind of trick or treat. Uh, you didn't know what you were going to get from night to night, but I'll give him this. The guy plays hard every night. Uh, but when his shots aren't going, he'll keep launching them up there. So, I mean, shoot or shoot. I think Marcus thinks he's a better shooter. He than does, us.
3: but that's okay. I will take that for his defense against certain players that we just need him for. Right. I hope we can find a way to bring him back. But uh, even if we don't, uh, I really enjoyed his tenure much, much, much more than I thought I would. Uh, I, I'm going mm-hmm. to give him a flat B. I
2: dig it. I dig it. I like that. He carried us for a little while there when we were pretty bad in the beginning of the year. Uh, and he was playing out of his mind. So uh, Marcus Smart. Uh, this guy... I said I wouldn't give anybody any A's, but he shot, I mean, for Marcus Smart, to, to shoot the way he shot this year. No one thought it was possible. Uh, we had to retire the Smart shots because Topher and I would be dead. Uh, it's, um, I mean, he, he was definitely, he was, you know, granted, the way he plays the game, he's one of my favorite players, but he, this year, I mean, he, he certainly performed and exceeded my expectations. Uh, being able to shoot like that and still play that that grit, grit nose-to-the-grind defense, uh, he was pretty plus solid. plus for me.
3: I can't, I can't forgive the, the, I can the mediocre it. play in the earlier part of the season. But uh, the leadership skills that I mentioned and the shot in particular, the development of that, I mean, mm-hmm. you can't give him any lower than
2: that. Yeah. Oh, the funny thing, too, and this is something aside. We, we were going to talk about this earlier, but we kind of skipped over it. But he was the, like the one guy who stuck his neck out to say, you know, Kyrie, every, you know, everything falling on him, is there, which is kind of strange because it's probably the last guy I thought that somehow those two formed a bond. Um, and, and Kyrie had a lot of nice things to say about Marcus uh, throughout the season and how he loves playing when he's out there. So I, I think missing him in the Bucs series hurt us a lot more than than people uh, let on. I mean, I know he played the last two games, but the the last game, he kind of looked like himself, but the one before that, he was uh, didn't wasn't quite all there yet, and he didn't play that many minutes. I think him being gone in that series really affected us a lot. It's right, moving on. Aaron Baines, all of Australia. He
3: was really plagued with that ankle or twisting ankles this season. I can't really hold him accountable for that. I am not real crazy about the fact that of all the people who really like took the foot off of the three point pedal, it was him because he was actually one of the better three point shooters early in the season and he had a slump. He just never really kept taking them after that point, which is a real shame because it would have been a much more useful tool, uh, particularly in the postseason. Had he, had he been, you know, lying on. I think he hit like one or two in the entire postseason this year compared to last year, which he was hitting like, one or two per game. Um, right. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I can't give him uh, better than a C plus, I think. His defense was still good. It was not quite as good as last season. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with the ankle. Um, he definitely took some very small steps back. He was still super important. He did, It's not his fault he didn't get played as much as I think he should have. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's a square, a square C to C plus
2: range. All right, so uh, Terry, I think we can both agree he's not uh, getting a very I've, good grade. Can,
3: can I give him? Can I give him? Well, I guess I. I uh,
2: yeah. You're the you're the teacher here. Come on. I'm going to
3: have to fail you, Terry. I'm sorry. Yeah,
2: he's yeah. I'm sorry, there's no sticker on your paper. Nope. And uh, which is sad to say, because I was really high on Terry. I bought so many scary Terry shirts last year. I thought for sure I was like, oh man, this is going to be great. We're going to have him coming off the bench and he just couldn't, he couldn't get himself into that role. Uh, I don't think he ever accepted. I I don't know what he was expecting. Uh, Did he think he was going to start over Kyrie or did he think he was going to start alongside him? I I just, I don't, I don't really understand what was going through his head. Uh, I guess this is, I just think they, they probably should have addressed this. They should have talked to him about this in the off season and, Figured that if this was going to be this kind of problem, they should have dealt him then. Because, uh, I mean, it, it was, you know, they were, it was a toxic environment, and he just never accepted his role as the backup point guard. Uh, the, the, I should say the backup point guard, especially when Smart moved to the starting lineup, he, he was essentially the backup point guard at that point. But when Smart was still... You know, coming off the bench, you were like backup point guard. 1B. Even, he didn't even you know? have a role so, as a
3: backup point guard because he can't really handle the ball. And right,
2: so then you ever you got Jalen or Gordon handling the ball, and Terry just loafing up shots, like trying to play like Kyrie does off he the was ball. Just bad. and yeah, not not great, not great. Best of luck to you, buddy. Um, uh, Daniel Tice. He after last year, he wasn't the same guy that we saw at the end of last year before he got hurt.
3: I'm going to have to give him a C minus and it's not his fault. You know, it's not his fault.
2: He didn't really play as much either. So
3: he didn't get time. There wasn't time and he Mm -hmm. hurt. So when there was time, there wasn't even time.
2: Yep. uh, Time Lord, Rob Williams. uh,
3: I think that he gets a B minus or C plus just because there wasn't much time for him to play. uh, And he's been doing great, you know, down with the red claws when, when he gets sent down there, uh, so
2: he's got to be a b because he got yeah, the people it's hard going, to give him right a I mean everybody was excited you know, so uh you know solid solid season uh, hoping to see more from him if he's not dealt uh how about semi ojale took a step
3: back again uh was much less effective doing the one thing we love him for the most in the postseason. uh not
2: the d and three yeah
3: trying trying to slow down. The the Giannis, uh that was not very successful. Some of that was not on him just because of the way that they were playing him compared to the, the, the previous seasons. And also uh Coach Bud's uh surprising and devastating if we're going to be honest, rotations. Um, so you know, like he hadn't he didn't really grow as a player. He didn't really get too much horse as a player, so just a flat C for me.
2: Yeah, I, I expect if, if, the, if the Celtics do make a seismic trade and they do bring in somebody like an Anthony Davis or something, I expect him to be actually a part of the rotation next year. Uh, even, you know, tail end of the rotation, but someone that's getting minutes every night. He um, needs him. Because he, well, it's and the things that he does are things that you need on a championship caliber team. So you, you want that D and three guy who's like the eighth guy or ninth guy in the rotation that, that plays, you know, 10 to 15 minutes a game at least, you know? Uh, he he was kind of sporadic this year in his playing time, but I think with the with the roster trimmed down, which I imagine it will be, whether we're going youth or we're going, um, um you know, Superstars. Kyrie, yeah, exactly. So either way, I think he's playing unless he's dealt in one of the, in a, in a trade. Um Yabuselli, I'm giving an incomplete. We don't get to see him play um, too much, to everybody's chagrin. But I mean, there was no room for him to play this year. Uh, we had the return of Greg Monroe, who did absolutely nothing. B minus, one ninety, but he was Brad Brad Wanamaker, somebody who played well when he played. Um, uh, he totally could be back next year. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, we also had Jonathan Gibson, didn't really see a lot Interplete. of. Him. Um, and then R.J. Hunter returning, P.J. Dozier. Uh, you know these guys. Uh, um, maybe they're back next year. We we don't know that. It's going to depend a lot on um, what it, what does happen. After the NBA draft and the uh, free agency comes through, and speaking of the draft, we have the lottery results. We'll just everybody knows that New Orleans got the number one pick, uh, Memphis with the number two. Uh, we're assuming that Zion Williamson and then Ja Morant goes number two to Memphis. There's something you want to talk about with Morant, uh, how it could work in the Celtics' favor. Uh, the Knicks, I mean, the Knicks fans lost their minds as if they got burnt. I think they're extremely lucky that they got one of the three guys that could they could have ended up anywhere. I mean um, they had a 14% chance to get the number one pick and they were upset that they didn't Atlanta. get it. I mean look look at Phoenix, look at Atlanta. They got buried um and you know New York wanted to lose their minds about RJ Barrett, who's could very well end up being the best player out of this draft. I mean it's it's not it's not impossible. It's um, absolutely true. So they got one of the three like almost assured um, players at the top of the draft. I mean, and then they're crying about not getting the number one pick that they really didn't have that much of a chance to get. So yeah, yeah you you get what you get. I mean, I hope R.J. Barrett leaves you in four years when his contract's up. Um, uh, the Lakers snuck into the top four. So uh, that that throws kind of a wrinkle into what we thought they would be out of the Anthony Davis mix. You noted that. Pelicans don't want to deal with them anyways. They say. So they that say. perhaps, may, they, they say. I'm sure David Griffin would take a great deal from anybody if he got one, uh, although he is trying to And it may not with- be his
3: decision. Gail Benson is at the helm now. She is a much more active uh, GM than her father ever was. Her father was basically in his, his twilight years, and I'm guessing wasn't, was not making uh, too many direct decisions with what was happening with the team, which is part of the reason why they ended up where they ended up. Um, also because they focus on the Saints, which they also own, uh, and shared a, a uh, medical team with a football team, which doesn't sound like a very good idea. Um, but the the fact that New Orleans came away with a top pick uh, really just erases other teams like New York and, and uh, the Lakers and really any of the teams that were in the mix uh, from being able to come up with any kind of an offer that might, you know blow them out of the water so now that they have that pick the, the really the biggest uh thing is there's a little bit more steam added back to this whole crazy idea of David Griffin that I, I, I somehow managed to predict um that they might try to convince uh Anthony Davis to stay there I still don't think it's gonna happen he's still saying he doesn't want to but
2: you gotta give it a exactly. shot though. you got you gotta you know you gotta you gotta give it a shot they got the one pick he's not gonna want to stay there because he's not gonna want to stick around to let Zion develop for another couple years while he wastes away. So uh, if, unless you think Zion Williams is going to come in and be like LeBron James and all right off the rip, be uh, that kind of an impact player. uh, I don't see that happening. So I think that Davis is certainly gone um, one way or the other, but the, the lottery worked out without aside from the Celtics, not moving up in the top four, which was very slim chances. Um, the, it, things kind of worked out. Best case scenario, we ended up with the 14th pick from Sacramento, like we assumed. Like we assumed, but seeing as Memphis moved up into the top four, our pick from them that was top eight protected moves to top six protected next year, and then fully unprotected the following yep. season. If should it end in the top six next year, uh, the reason why I think that's so important is because in any kind of deal, there's there's a lot of upside with that pick where it could be completely unprotected, and it would be years. much worse. Uh, you can. You can you can yep. sell that, you know. So um, I think that's why. And 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 regardless, it, it, chances are Memphis will. Um, th- who knows? They they could be tenth next year, and it and it won't matter. We'll get the pick at that spot, anyways. But like you noted before, we the podcast um, getting John Morant is probably best case scenario because first of all. Um, they'll probably move on from their longtime franchise point yeah. guard yep. Mike Conley, and point guards are generally a little slower to develop than other players. When it comes to and as good as we think John Morant would probably be, uh, could be a rough year for Memphis next year, which could find them in the bottom five or so, and then we have their unprotected pick the following year. So um, kind of best case scenario. Now that sounds really
3: weird to people, but you know it really depends on you know if we're trying to keep the pick, uh, then. It does make sense to try to just get it. If, if you knew you could get it at ninth this year, and you know that it could be anywhere from seventh to fourteenth next year, uh, then you you might you know just hedge your bets and go for the ninth this season. But you know it could have it could have also been tenth or eleventh this season. Uh, so you know there's no guarantee if we were going to use it it would convey it a better, a better position. And as you were suggesting, just the upside, selling the upside that you might have as high as a number one pick by the time it ends up coming around, particularly with these wacky new uh, flattened draft odds really shaking up the potential for movement. Um, yeah. It really, it really, it's, it's a lottery ticket to another team, not the Celtics. Now, those of you...
2: Danny is selling dreams, Justin. We're going to sell that. That's going to be the number number one pick in two years, right? So don't you want to give us Anthony Davis straight up for that? Of course. Yeah. Uh, so the Celtics invited some uh, rookies in for pre-draft workouts. Uh, some of the bigger names, well that are left over from the top few uh they took uh they invited uh jalen noel from washington cameron johnson from unc bryce brown out of auburn Shamaré pons out of st john's Tress tinkle out of oregon state Stephen enick out of louisville justin robinson from virginia tech and my man alpha diallo from the pc friars uh anybody out of there jump out to you justin
3: uh, also, Harry Froling who was the Rookie of the Year, uh, he took the uh, he tried going to college. He was actually a teammate of, of Shemi uh, at SMU for a season. Uh, and then he, he went to uh, probably the best non-European league in the world, uh, the NBL of Australia and New Zealand. Um, he is a big guy. Uh, he, he's like a, a much younger and more mobile uh, Aaron Baines. So that's, that's a guy to keep an eye on uh, who would probably fall in the, the, the 20s. Um, I do like your guy Diallo. He's super fast. He he loves to score. Um, he's he's got a pretty decent shot. Um, he's definitely a later later drafty who could be an interesting prospect. Um, Steve Enoch of Louisville originally came to Connecticut. Under Kevin Ollie, but then whatever happened to Kevin Ollie's coaching abilities? They just disappeared like the Monstars. Um, <laughs> whatever the hell happened there, uh, he decided to transfer out, which was fair because that program turned into a disaster. Uh, and uh, you know, I, unlike a lot of UConn fans, I wish the kid no ill will. He deserved a chance in a program that was um, better put together than the one he went to. Because the poor kid went to Louisville, uh, and we all know what happened there immediately afterwards. Um, maybe he's bad luck. I don't know. Maybe we don't want him. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, Steven Enoch is a wicked nice kid from, from all accounts. Um, he's very, very raw. Um, but he can really rebound. He's a big body. Um, he's not a good shooter. Um, or at least he wasn't at Yukon. I haven't really followed him since, but you know, he could be, he could be a good depth piece. Um, and those are the guys that I, I know about. I don't really know anything else uh, about any of these guys. that's really worth mentioning. Um, but it's it's interesting to see that they seem to be focusing most of their effort on guys who are going to fall late, which means they seem to be presuming that they may not be you know having a higher pick. Wonder why? Yeah,
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, so the uh, conference finals are going on in both the East and West. Uh, we had a pretty wild finish to uh, well the Portland and Denver series. Um, and then uh, even more so to the Toronto Philly series, uh, the, the Sixers after that, that ridiculous Kawhi shot to win the series, um, they like, y- you think the Celtics are in a weird spot, the the Philly 76ers are in a very weird spot. If they can't retain, uh, some of these guys, they got Tobias Harris and, and, um, Jimmy Butler, both, uh, free agents. Um, that, that team could look yep. very different next year. Um, and, and not in a good way. Um, if if Butler decides to take his talents elsewhere. Um, so what we left, we talked about the four teams that were left before, some of the biggest players in the NBA. Um, my take, Golden State is going to run away with this. I don't think it matters. I think, I think if anything, Portland has a better chance to beat them than either of the teams. I think so to too.
3: Them. I think Portland will probably even steal a game, maybe two,
2: Maybe two games. Uh, particularly right.
3: if they Bye. can capitalize. Uh, KD uh, is dealing with some kind of uh, calf contusion, I want to say, calf injury of some sort. Um, and that's going to happen mm-hmm. for at least the first game. So if they come hard, they might be able to steal that. And they might be able to steal one more, too. Uh, but I just don't see how, you know, with Martin Ennis Canter, who's no no disrespect because the man has uh, completely shown that he is at least capable of defending as, you know, net, a, a net neutral minimum defender against lesser competition we'll see how he does at this level particularly with the poor dude you know playing injured um but yeah you know i don't i don't see any chance um of, of portland uh advancing to the finals uh who do you think is gonna gonna take out this uh you know milwaukee's up one but it was a it was a tight game
2: yeah and it wasn't it it was a tight game i still think milwaukee wins the series i know it's kind of cheating after they've already won the first game but um i, I do just don't think Kawhi has the help there um Lowry has not played that well in the postseason as per usual if you'd ask Toronto fans so um I just I don't think that he himself can beat that team um you know whereas Giannis has had some big help Bledsoe's been great these playoffs and um Chris Middleton uh, he, you know he didn't have a great game one and they still won so um if he's knocking down shots I, I think they're definitely I think they're the better team uh, they're the number one seed for a reason. They won more games and um, they do have home court. Uh, I think they take care of Toronto in six games at the most. And then I think they're going to get the doors blown off by the yep. Warriors. I,
3: I do think that there is a chance that we could see, particularly, you know, Brogdon is Malcolm Brogdon is back and he's not starting again yet, but he is playing heavy minutes and looking good. Uh, if, if he doesn't have that tendonitis return, Uh, and you can keep, you know, trending upwards in the minutes. I think they actually do have a shot against the Warriors, uh, presumably. Um, But, you know, everything will have to break right for them, and a lot of things will have to break wrong for the Warriors, I think, because we have not seen the the real, in my opinion, uh, effort out of the Warriors. And with Draymond Green, you know, looking like literally 15% less of the man he was uh, at the beginning of the season – he is playing entirely different, and you know they—they they aren't even really having problem. They didn't have any problems putting away the Rockets without without KD. Right. So I don't know, just me.
2: Yeah. If well, if KD is not back and playing, then I'll I'll give the the Bucks and uh, they'll make it a series. But I still think they lose. Um, just that Golden State, that firepower is just too much, and they've got a full complemented bench. Um, they just. Uh, I hope they get – well, I want to say I hope Katie leaves just to, to break up that, that crazy, ridiculous thing. But I don't want him in New York. Nope. So, yeah. And I, I don't want them to be right about getting anybody. So they've been saying they're going to get him and Kyrie all year. We just I just don't want that to happen just because I don't want them to be right all right but anyways check guys check out the links at the top of celticslife.com we got a huge variety of shirts and hoodies in our store and you can even get tickets to the next game under that
3: you might be waiting a while given you know well let's not talk about that but in the meantime you can find the pod on wooshka itunes google plays Stitcher, spotify himalaya and most podcatcher apps make sure to subscribe so you don't miss our beautiful voices and if you like what you hear please rate us five stars don't you like what you're here or you want something different let us know comment on any celtics like article or on twitter with the hashtag C-L-D-O-D. we're always trying to bring you the coverage you want from the boston celtics the way that you like it later guys take care y'all